you're now tuned into another episode of The Underground. Each week, we dive into what it means to create, nurture, and live in communities everywhere. This is The Underground with Ryan Moore and Justin Long Carrick. Welcome, welcome to another episode of The Underground Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm sitting here virtually once again with Ryan. What's up, bud? You know what? I can only say that it's a sunny day, and we're all alive, and just enjoying life as best I can. I'm trying to control the controllable. Does that make sense? I can't control some things, but I can control other things. I think that's where a lot of the frustration is coming from lately is people that want to control things and there's just no control right now. You can't control what's happening. You can't control decisions that are being made. It's, it's frustrating, but you know what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I just have, that's all I keep doing is whenever you get down or, or frustrated or something like that with, especially now with COVID and these situations, you just got to try and find that positive and, and look towards it. That's what my wife said to me this morning. It feels like there's no end in sight. And I'm like, there will be an end. This will not go on forever. You know, it might take another six months or eight months or whatever it is, but it will not go on forever. And we made it this far, you know, yeah. so it is what it is. Made it this far. And then I don't know if I'm pretty certain this is true, but I heard there's 20 million vaccines coming in by the end of the month. So that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. What, so we, I actually have a question for you, and maybe we can enlighten some people. You sound a little different, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not talking very normally. If you hear a little bit of a lisp when I'm talking, it's I, I, I think I brought it up on the podcast before we did. that yeah. I would be getting Invisalign. It's installed, it's in my mouth, and it makes me have a slight lisp. I'm still trying to, says day three. So I'm still trying to learn how to do my S's. So how it works <laughs> is I got these nubs. There, there's nubs like, you know, what, when, when you get like a chip tooth filled and, and that material that they, that they use to, to fill out a chip right. on your teeth, mm-hmm. they use that and they've put nubs all over my teeth. This Invisalign is like laser guided to my teeth. And then there's little pressure points where they've installed those nubs on my teeth. And so it slowly pushes my teeth back into place. And so <laughs> right where, you know, when you make an S sound and your tongue goes to the roof of your mouth, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's three nubs right there. Wicked. So I'm trying to figure out how to sound. And I don't know, it might just this, I got it for nine months. And so might just sound like this for nine months, but I mean, they're removable. So if well, it gets too annoying, I can just take if, it. Um, if my son's experience gives you any indication, he's in a retainer still. It took him a few days to, to sort of figure out how his mouth worked again and be able to speak around the retainer. I wouldn't say that he has a lisp anymore. When he, yeah. And he has to wear it all the time, too. He's the same as you. He wears it. They said the only time to take it off is when you're eating or if you're playing hockey. That's it. Yeah. Outside of that, don't don't take it off. So we haven't had much hockey, so it's just been food. And he yeah. brush, and when he's brushing his teeth, of course. Yeah, that's so. th- these things are kind of like a mouth guard. Mm. So the retainer goes to the back side of your teeth. Right. This is literally like a very thin mouth guard over both my top and bottom teeth. Right. So... 
it's it's frustrating a little bit with the food side of things because after I eat, I literally have to like take a toothpick and I have to yeah chisel out my teeth because I'm putting something that's extremely form fitted mm. directly onto my teeth. Which I mean, it, like I'm excited for what my mouth is gonna be after this is done. It's been. <laughs> since I was 16 years old, like I had pretty straight teeth as a kid. That's why I never really got braces. There were minor things I could have got corrected, but there were never, it's not like I had a, a, a crooked smile or anything like that. I'm also but excited this, for your mouth. Just yeah. going to say it out loud. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> By the way, I got to give a, I got to give a shout out to Berta Bassick and uh, district dental over on Guelph line. If you've ever seen them beside Gator Ted's, Thank you for setting me up with this Invisalign. If you guys want it, if you guys out there are wanting it or looking for something, it's an excellent option. No one can notice it really until I start talking and I'm sure I'm going to be able to start talking a little bit more normally once I get used to this. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if you guys, any children, adults out there that you don't want to go the full braces experience, look into Invisalign, look up Berta Basic at District Dental. There you go. So I had an interesting day yesterday. I've got a bit, actually, I look a bit tanned in here, don't you think? In yeah, the, you got in the some zoom sun. screen. So I had the uh, sunroof open the whole time and it was just blazing down yesterday. But I drove up to several different places. So my job takes me all over the place. I try to keep my client base and the places I sell houses to within a certain range because as a professional, there's a range with which I have a limitation geographically where. I just don't know stuff. I don't know how the conservation areas work in those places. I don't know what the building codes are like in those places. I don't know what it's like to be on a beach and what that means for certain things. And so, and I don't know the markets in the areas that, that, that outside of my, what I would call my area. But every now and then you get a client that says to you, Justin, like, I need you. I love you. I don't want to use anybody else. I know you're referring me to this guy. He's great, but we really want your opinion on these things. We'd love for you to come with us on this trip. That's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, it's great. I love it. I feel good about it. It makes me feel, you know, really warm and fuzzy inside. And quite frankly, yesterday wasn't all, you know, horrible. It, you know, I got to drive up to Muskoka and show houses. Uh, how can you complain about that? If anybody watched my Instagram, I was on a beach for a period of time yesterday. So yeah, I was just going to say guys, if you, you want know. some good entertainment during this lockdown, Justin's Justin's posting <laughs> some comedy, yeah, some quality comedy, some, some not very good carry carpool. Karaoke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it's my tunes from when I was growing up. Right. Uh, yeah, so jamming, rather than I was jamming along with there you, you, go. When I tuned there you in. Go. so I drove, so I drove up to Wasega beach to start which I have never in my entire life been there. I, we've been up north many, many times, but mostly like Gravenhurst, Severn River. My, my grandparents owned a, a place in the Severn area and on the Severn River area. And so, you know, never been to Wasega Beach ever. We've driven by that exit a million times on the highway. And uh, so the first time ever I got to drive out to Wasega Beach, really cool little town, really cool little beach town, a little bit like Crystal Beach, right? Got yeah. to see a couple places on the water down there. And and that's where the sun came in because from, we left at like, not, well, no, sorry, I left at 1030 in the morning yesterday. And, you know, sun was blazing all day. I had the sunroof open and definitely got a bit of sun on my forehead. I have a huge forehead. I just want to point that out to the listeners. My hair is starting to disappear and the forehead's getting bigger. So, you know, it, uh, it catches the sun well. 
But the no. but the best part about being up there was really we drove at one point from the 400 right through Port Carling to 11 to the other side to Huntsville because we were looking at houses all over literally like an hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes between showings which was incredible the longest showing scenario I've ever been in my entire career and we got to drive through Port Carling again which I did in the summer last year with the family we went down to Gravenhurst and drove through Port Carling at one point and we had lunch at when we were allowed to go in to eat in restaurants at the uh, Turtle Jacks in Port Carling what a cute little town and you know it's what nice there, those yeah. cottages on that water on those waters there oh my god They're so you so said nice. you were you started in Wasega yeah and you were looking at homes, were they on the water in Wasega? They will not. These people in particular will not buy anything if it's not on a water, a body of water. So, yes. So, am I allowed to ask, how, what does a house go for on the water in Wasega this, nowadays? So, it depends on the area. So, the spots, the first spot we looked at was on, not, not on the beach out in the big body of water. Mm-hmm. It was on one of the little inlet rivers. And mm-hmm. that was eight ninety nine for a basically brand new house built in 2019. It was like about 1,500 square feet, something like that, 1,700 square feet. Really nicely done. Beautiful cottage setup because they had two bedrooms upstairs with which a master bedroom, second bedroom, and then the two basement bedrooms had, uh, like you could probably get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, twelve people in that house for a, from a cottage like standpoint. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like the requirement of a yeah. cottage is yeah. just ability to sleep people. Yeah. Of course, you want a nice home and stuff like that and places to go on a, on a rainy day, but basically the cottage functions like... like well, everyone's, everyone's outside mostly. Yeah. But here's, here's the interesting thing about these clients, and I'm not... This is the learning process you go through as an agent. You kind of... You, you get the criteria from a really big standpoint and go, okay, here's everything we want... And then as you start to see houses, you start dialing it into the mm-hmm. things that they really want and the things that they've decided during the process, hey, we don't mind if we don't have this or we don't really want that at all. So let's focus on this. And we've gone back and forth a few times with these folks. I had them down in Crystal Beach a couple of weeks ago, down Fort Erie area. And now we're down here up in the other direction, up that way too, because they feel their money's better spent up there. And I would agree with them, quite frankly. That being said, this place was, you're right, it ha- it was totally set up as a really nice indoor space because it was a brand new home, but the backyard was a long, nice, narrow thing down to the water with a little little waterway where you could hop in with a, a boat or a sea and drive straight out to the big water in the big bay. So it was good. Now, the one that they saw that was on the beach, it was literally on a beach, was a small little house, about 1,100, 1,200 square feet, something like that, maybe a little bigger, two bedrooms, had a little separate bunkhouse and was literally out the back. You have a, a fence, a white picket fence that you open the door, the gate, and you're straight down onto the beach. That was $1.395 million. So that's big money. And the house was not huge. I mean, like little tiny two-bedroom house, nothing major. You're on with Sega Beach. That's right. So you're right on the on the big beach and, and really nice spot. And like, uh, I mean, those, those type of properties, I've always been curious, like, those type of properties, you know, you buy it and you turn it into an Airbnb, like something like a beach house on almost Sega beach, your, your mortgage payments plus profit. Well, so the interesting part of that is that that one had a main house and then a little bunkie. So the bunkie was a, it's like a one bed bunkie. You have like a nice big, I think it was a queen bed in there with a kitchen and a bathroom, a full bathroom. So you can have that separate thing. So you can have your cottage and do whatever you need to do there. But you could pull in. I was talking to some local agents up there. Two fifty a night. 
Yeah. So, I mean, let's say five nights. I mean, I ha- I know people that will do the up there that I've been talking to people just to try to get the lay of the land. They're telling me that most people try to do a minimum of four or five night minimum. Yeah. So, you know, five nights, 250. I mean, that's good money. And then that times four, if you do it four times a month for from May to August, yeah. you know, you're six, seven, six grand a month ish, somewhere like that. Did you cottage a lot as a kid? Uh, we ha- my grandparents had a cottage and we would go there. So yes, was it? it was in, well, I think we talked about it with Caleb when we had him on, it was in, um, uh, Washago or Washago. Oh as you might yes, call yes, it. yes, yes. So it was a little tiny off the beaten path on a river as opposed to a lake. But it was to me, that's cottaging like, like kind of in the middle of nowhere where you have to kind of go to the grocery store before you get there and you're not going back to the grocery store unless you forgot something and it's an emergency. Right. So that was cottaging for me, but these people want more of a, they want more of a, like close to a city process where they can go into a town like a Port Carling or a Huntsville or something. The one thing I will say about Wasega is it is a bit of a party. Yeah, it is in a bit summertime, of summertime. It's sure. it's a party place, so yeah. you get the Toronto crowd. It's what two hours for them, hour and a half for them to bomb up there. Yep, right up. Uh, what is that highway? Highway. You go four hundred straight through, and then you get off at I don't know. I don't remember the exit, but right where you get off, you you go straight through another twenty minutes, and you're there. Yeah, so that that it, it that's a party town. But where where I grew up going, I, I grew up going to Bancroft, and right. just like you said, it's it's Highway twenty four all the way up. And then you're in the middle of nowhere. Like it, the highway is two lanes, one lane each way with a dotted line down the middle. And Bancroft itself is a tiny, tiny town, but Bancroft is just on a river. It's not on any of the lakes. Mm. So it's a tiny town in the middle of some gorgeous lakes. Yeah. So you get up there and it, just like you said, you got to go to the grocery store and make a big trip because where our place was, was 20, 25 minutes away from Bancroft yep. proper. So it was on Potash Lake, if you ever know that. I actually think I know where that is, to be honest. Yeah, I've heard it's of popular. Yeah. It's popular. The two big lakes in the Bancroft area are Potash Lake and uh, Lake Baptiste. Actually, Jim Carrey, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they have places on Lake Baptiste. But it's it's a little bit more of a drive, though. That's the problem is it's it's about three hours, a three-hour drive, as opposed to Muskoka, which is what, two two hours? You can get up to Huntsville in two and a half I think You're like not, I, yeah. I drove you down that midnight on a Wednesday. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is the traffic on the 400 is just ridiculous on those yeah. weekends, right? You're going to want to leave on a Wednesday and come back on a Monday or Tuesday. I had a seven hour. I had to come home on a Sunday afternoon from North Bay and I had a seven hour ride home. I was cruising, cruising, cruising. And then it was like three hours just to get through Muskoka. <laughs> And we need to figure something else out to get through well, that area. Well, actually, they are, having driven up there for the first time since last year, or last summer, they've started widening some of the 400, which I think will help a little bit. But yeah. as you get up into the, where it gets a little bit dicey is is past Barry. Once you highway get through Barry, Well, Highway 11 is, is also like tiny too, right? And that's, once you get onto those, it's like, those are two lanes each way. With no, and the worst part is, is getting on and off those highways because of the, uh, it's just like a little, like, there's no on road. Yeah, it's like there's a road connected to the side of the highway. 
But you, uh, to cross the highway, you literally are driving across a highway, that's not going right. under yeah, or over yeah, it. That's You're right. driving across the highway. But 11 is one of those ones where, because that's where we would go up to get to where my grandparents' cottage was. And, and if you get caught on that, there's just no relief from it. You're stuck on it. And there's no way around it. Like there's just no way around it. So it's tough. Yeah. But we had to drive yesterday from, we went from uh, Wasega up a little bit further north from there. And then that, so Wasega is up the 400. And then we had to cut across from there to the, uh, to 11 from that far up north. And the challenge there is because of all the lakes and waterways, you have to kind of wiggle your way all the way through. Yeah. And we ended up through Port Carling and stuff like that. And so between one showing, that's what I was saying between one showing was an hour and 30 minutes. And it was just, by the time we got to that last showing, we were just beat and it was late and it was crazy, but I left at 10 30 in the morning. I got home at about nine o'clock last night. So I mean, to a game of Uno to a game of Uno, which was awesome actually. And can I just point out that I played three games after once I got hooked in and I won two of those three games. So, Hey, I'm pretty good. What's that? 66%, 66% win rate. I'm not, I'm not bad. I mean, I'm no cam like Jack Campbell, but I'm still like, you know, <laughs> oh, that Jack Campbell story. That's something else. That's but. insane. I mean, how can they go back to Freddie right now? Or they're going to go you back. Can't. To you, you can't because that's just how hockey will work is, is, is it's now it's Jack's to lose. Now, Freddie is the starter. So once he goes back in, Jack's got a lot of work to do to get back there. Right. But, He's proved himself. He's ten, you can't you, you reward that. If you were to take him out for any reason other than injury or bad play, mm. you would. I would. If if I'm on the team, if I'm the captain, if I'm Tavares, if I'm one of the assistant captains, I'm marching into the GM's office and being like, "What the hell is going on here? This is not right." We talked about this with Mikhail last week, where it was like, you know, when the goalie's on a roll, you want to leave him in there and just keep play him that going. Hot hand. Yeah, yeah, play that hot hand because he's just on fire right now. And yeah. you know that emotion of that story is just it giving me goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Holy cow! It's, so I took a I took a deep dive into into his story because it, it's compelling. It, it's it's compelling. It's inspirational, and I love having ammo for my kids at work to 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 be like, look look at this story, look at that story. Mm. And he's a first round draft pick to Dallas. Like I think he was 10th overall. Like he has high pedigree coming out of the junior ranks. What happened to him is he kept on getting buried behind good goalies. He was young and there were goalies in every situation that he went to. There were older established goalies. So he wasn't getting opportunities. And then when he did get opportunities, he would get hurt. And so it was just bad circumstance after bad. Cir it was literally the worst of luck. So I feel like this record that he just got hundred years of over a hundred years of Maple Leafs hockey and Jack Campbell ha holds the record for 10 wins in a row as a goalie. And I feel like this is the universe giving karma back to him. Definitely saying, deserves you know what? it. You kept your head down. You were a good teammate. Everybody loves you. Like, all accounts, this guy's just a dude in the dressing room. Let's let's kind of swing out of the hockey talk and like kind of talk about the cottage talk a little more because I'm I'm still dwelling on that a little bit. What, what give me your favorite cottage memory? What's your favorite thing to do at a cottage? My favorite thing to do, not at including a like cottage. drinking with your buddies. Like let's talk family. <laughs> Like, cause I know that there's some of that too. Cause I, I've done it. Trust me. <laughs> well, obviously going out on the, on the tube. You tubing. like the tube. Did you ever uh, fly was, off on the, like, yeah, 
I'm I've my, my upper body is pretty big. I'm a stock, I'm a stocky guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, holding on to the tube, my uncles and stuff, it was always the challenge who can get Ryan off the tube because <laughs> I was good. I had strong upper body so I could maneuver yeah. myself at top speeds around that, that tube to, to not. And I knew I was, I got pretty good at tubing. I, I stopped doing it quite a bit once I got into the OHL and stuff. Cause you could get hurt. Yeah. you don't I, I got pretty good at being able to lean my body in and steer that tube and hit the wave and launch myself in the air. <laughs> I got pretty good. My other one is uh, cliff jumping. There is uh, in Bancroft, there's a nice uh, 30 foot cliff that, that you can jump off of. And then there's another one they call it the big pink. And that one was cause it's rock. It had like a pink tinge to it. Ah. And it was, that one was about like 40, 45 feet tall. So yeah, that's not my thing. I'm not there for that. I, so my cottage memories relate to like sitting around the fire and funnily enough playing Uno, which is another w- weird one. My grandmother had a, a set of Uno. So we'd sit and play that as a family, like huge games of Uno, but sitting around the fire and boat rides and tubing yeah. rides and stuff like that. I did a bit of scuba diving in the green river once with my uncle. Ooh. He took us down. That was kind of cool. Um, Do you have any certifications in that or is that just no, no. recreation? He did. He does. And, and he was, he's scuba dived all over the world. He's, he's done some cool stuff. I just, he was like, Hey, come down with me. And he had the second breather with him and he's like, just come down and we'll, we'll go down and, and look at some stuff. And you know how much garbage is at the bottom of those lakes, those rivers? I mean, it's just crazy, crazy how much is down there. We were like finding watches and sunglasses and bottles and, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Oh, it's crazy. But you know what's interesting about that is I understand that it's garbage, but nothing that we have created, hear me out on this because I'm going to sound like a lunatic in a second. Nothing that we've created as humans didn't come from something that wasn't already on earth. Yeah. So like, you know, I don't know, this stupid plastic thing that relate that is my daughter's eventually will break down. Because it came from products that are from Earth. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so, well, you're talking about the cycle of nature. The cycle right? of nature and, and the yeah. idea that eventually things will break down. Sometimes it takes longer because the things we've created withstand those earthly, you know, sort of erosions. But I just feel like, yeah, there's stuff at the bottom there that's probably not good for something, certain metals and things. But eventually it'll all just break down and wash away. Mother, like, Mother Nature has this way of cleansing itself in a way i don't know maybe well, i'm overthinking it. It, it, it i understand what you're saying it, you're, you're 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 getting real deep here <laughs> yeah. you're getting real philosophical yeah. i understand what you're saying in the grand scheme of things earth is millions and millions of years old right, right. and right. in the past hundred years which is literally a millisecond less than a, a nanosecond in the grand scheme of earth um, we've done some things and put some things out there mm. and the earth is already starting to adapt to it. So basically the ocean levels are rising. And what does that do? That it's trying to kill off some people. It's trying to move people away. What is the earth doing to adapt to all this pollution and stuff? Mm. It's making it unhabitable for the people that are causing it. Mm. So that's the earth responding. And what would happen is, yeah, okay, maybe life on earth dies all for a bit, but it was dead at 1.2 millions of years ago and life found a way. So in the grand scheme of things, the earth will bounce back, but we might not be here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and have you watched, so we talk about TV a lot on this podcast, so I'll bring it around. I just watched the stand, which is on prime. 
And it's all about uh, like a flu that goes through the entire planet and kills off 97% of the population. How topical. <laughs> Very topical. But I mean, Stephen King wrote this like how many years ago, right? So it's not like it was something that was just written for this. It was something that was written years ago and they've adapted it to another TV series. Remind me to say something after your thought. Okay. So I think that I would like, so I would like that scenario. I hate it for humanity, but I think I would thrive in a scenario where everyone died and it was only a few people that had to survive. Like, I think I would like, like show me, shove me on a des deserted Island. I would really enjoy that. Yeah, I would. I would, you know, cause there's think- some people that, for example, love contact and love. Be- I'm not a super, I don't have a ton of friends and I don't care if I hang out with them or not today or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I just, yeah, I know I'm in a social business as a whole, which is weird, but I just, I really enjoy just being at alone, being at home with my family alone. And that's it. And I know that if something went wrong like that, I'd be like, we'd hunker down, we'd do our thing. We'd make our way through it and we just get on with it. I feel I like know. camp games is, is important to know those type of, you know, those games that just yes. time games, car games and yes, stuff like that. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Camp games. Like, like name, name the uh, NHL teams that don't end with an S like the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's five Dallas stars. I don't know. Do you know them? Um, it's the Minnesota wild, wild Tampa Bay lightning. Yep. Um, Knights. I don't even know. Well, now, now, now I'm going to, I can't it. think of it. <laughs> Game over. Yeah. Well, Kraken is the new one. That's the new one. Yep. Um, Winnipeg Jets, Ottawa Senators, Montreal Canadiens, uh, Rangers, Islanders, Penguins. Is there five? Are you sure there's five? I don't know. Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm just going through the divisions. Coyotes. Um, There's someone out in the desert. Avalanche. 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 That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, so it's... What what I was going to say to your point before was um, the... You know, you know how you said Stephen King predicted like, so there's a bunch of things when COVID first hit, people were like, Oh, look, this guy predicted it. No, look, that person predicted it. That girl predicted this. Mm -hmm. And this was written in a book in 1900s. It's been known that this type of pandemic was going to happen. It was because these types of things have been out there in the world. SARS was out there in the world and scientists and stuff knew that this type of pandemic would, would happen. The easiest for way for it to spread is if it was airborne. Yep. All these things, it was just, and this pandemic just checked all the boxes and it happened. So when people are like, Oh, they predicted it. It's like, no, you did not predict it. Like everyone kind of scientifically knew that this had the best chance of happening. Well, I think I saw an interview, not an interview, but a, a speech that Obama did where a few years ago where he was saying that the next major event, global event, is going to be some sort of pandemic, airborne pandemic. And sure enough, you know, here we are. Well, right. I mean, Bill Gates, it's controversial, but Bill Gates knew all about it. Like, he, he's been talking about it for the last five years. I don't want to get... What do you think of that Bill Gates business? Nah. Nah? I'm mad, That's too. Billionaire business. I saw, I saw someone post today... You, sh- you have to Google, and maybe our listeners can do this, but you go- if you Google the the world's most influential doctor or something like that, it'll pop up with Bill Gates. He's not technically a doctor. I think he might have a doctorate, an honorary doctorate or something, but he's not tech- technically a doctor. Yeah, because didn't he drop out of... Something like that. But the point is, is that he has the most influence over the governing bodies that take care of medicine and such. And for yeah, some he, reason that pisses people off. 
Because it's one person, right? And it's not yeah. government. And so it's Yeah, but government like pisses people that. off. I don't know what the end game here is. I don't understand. This is what people... What is the end game in shutting down small business? Why do people think that there's some conspiracy against small business? I just do you know, don't... I don't I don't get it. I don't get do it. Do you know what it is? You know what it is? It's social media. That True. is That is our problem. Because it's unvetted information. It's pure opinion and speculative based... If you went to a concert and asked every single person their opinion on something, you would get some wildly, wildly varying opinions. That's with 20,000 people. Social media is 100 million people, three yeah, billion more than people. that, yeah. billion people. It's, it's all these wide opinions that you have direct access to and can comment on right away. And then when people comment, people get their backs up and then it's just arguments back and forth. And it's, mm-hmm. It's not. It's not new that we're this divided. It's just you have more of a voice to express how divided we are. So just like you said earlier, it was out of sight, out of mind in years past before social media. Mm. There was division, but it was whoever had the loudest voice was the person representing that division. Now it's every single person has a stake in the game and can express themselves to the world. So they've often said that... Well, they've often said, I've seen it sort of talked about that the quote unquote artificial intelligence that we think will take over the world one day is not going to show up in the form of a giant metal terminator. It's going to show up in the form of this algorithm that basically helps us implode on ourselves. And I think yeah. the reality is, is that, and if you do if you know anything about social media, know this is that Facebook, just as a complete example, Facebook's. Facebook makes money from putting advertisements in front of you. That's how they make money. People think that they are selling your data. They're not selling your data. They're selling the ability to manipulate you based on what they know about you. So to target you. Yes. Yeah. So, so what they're saying is, is listen, and this is like for marketers or anybody that's trying to run a business and you want to know a little bit something about Facebook. If you're posting things as an individual on your personal page that engages people a lot, your post and your posts going forward for a while will show up more on other people's pages because it keeps people engaged in Facebook. And what I laugh about is, especially people that are marketers or marketing in the business, especially realtors, realtors are the worst of this. Like for example, if I take a listing video and post the YouTube link for the listing video, Facebook and YouTube don't like each other. So, If you put that YouTube video on there, Facebook will go, Ooh, I'm not going to show that to people because it's taking people away from Facebook. Yeah. To Google, to Google and to YouTube. And so what the algorithm does on top of that is the algorithm searches out things that it knows you'll like because it knows more about you. It has over 20,000, 30,000 data points on you. And it finds those things and says, I'm going to put those things in front of you, Ryan, because you like those things and it'll keep you engaged in our platform. Then I can shove more ads in front of you. Then we can make more money. So that is where the conspiracy theory thing and the left and the right have gotten worse and worse and worse. The invent of these algorithms, the advent of these algorithms, I don't know which word is right. One of those two words is right. Has created a scenario whereby the left People on the left are like, oh, I believe this thing. And so they talk about it and they view posts like that. And they go to, they go to websites like that 
Facebook starts feeding them more and more and more of that. And slowly but surely that left leaning scenario keeps getting more and more and more left. And the same is happening on the right. The divide has never been greater between the two sides right now. Right. And so that's where the danger in this lies, because now we're going to create a scenario where things like the insurrection in the beginning of January and people dying because people do stupid shit like that. Right. I mean, I get that people were standing up for what they thought was right, but that was incited by like largely social media relevate like things. And so I think that that's where the problem lies in social media is that we've let the algorithm go so crazy that we're allowing it to push ourselves into these crazy worlds. And that's why QAnon became a thing. Yeah. It's been completely debunked at this point. But I've, I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had thoughts about what you're, what you're saying. And, you know, I went to university um, and in university, one of the major things that they teach you, especially in your first years is how to access proper information, not necessarily right or wrong, but proper information and how to critically view that information to form your own opinion on it and potentially advance it forward or prove right. it wrong or break it down. Right. Those types of things. I think we need to start teaching that in elementary school, not even high school. Rewind it to elementary school, like dumb it down a bit. Not, I guess that's a bad word to use, dumb it down, but like don't make it as intense as it is in university, but start teaching kids how to properly vet their own information, how to find their information, how to break it apart, truth from fact, how to form your own opinion on it mm-hmm. so that because – it's copycat culture, right? Like you, you, you hop on Twitter, you hop on Facebook and it, like I have my opinions, you have your opinions and we're different people. That's okay. Yep. But everybody wants the human nature. You want to belong, mm-hmm. right? So you want to find your group that, that agrees with you mm. and you want to find your group that's going to say yes to you. You don't like confrontation, confrontation. It's human nature to avoid it. But if we can try to, I don't know. It, it, it's complicated. It's and, complicated, man. And social media and this pandemic forced everyone on to so people who are never touched social media in their life are now on it. Like, I mean, my I know people, Instagram. I know people that the, the problem I have with it, it's creating fake, fake activists in a way, fake outrage, fake outrage in a way. And, and that's my problem. If you believe something so wholeheartedly, then you stick to it. Yeah, do you something do it. it. I have a yeah. I have a person who I'll I won't name who said to me, and this was back in the day, March first, Ontario is going back to no masks. We're not doing masks. It's a whole blah 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 blah. It was a whole thing, right? And and I was like, wait, is this real? Like it looked like a real press release. It was a thing he sent me. He's like, no, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, okay, are you doing this with your company too? Because he he's part of a company. Well, I'm gonna try. I, I mean. If you truly wholeheartedly believe it and you think you stand behind it, you are going all in on it. You are not going halfway just because the money from your company could get affected because you may lose income. Right. I don't know. There's just as like, to me, that's a halfway activist. That's someone who kind of believes something, but doesn't necessarily stand behind it. Cause if it's that big a deal, you're going to die on that hill. Right. Right. Yeah. And, it's and like the people that are putting a post out at, at five o'clock at, in the afternoon, they put this outrageous post. They're so outraged with something that just happened, blah, 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 blah. Let's get it. And then they go have dinner 
and then they've they've completely forgotten about it. But meanwhile, on the internet, it's been reshared and tweeted and posted and stuff like that. And this person probably didn't even like it was just a thought that they were outraged in the moment. Like I was always told in hockey, you know, there's a 24 hour rule. If you had something wrong with a teammate, a coach, or something, and you wanted to like you know, get pissed off and yell and scream, sleep on it, wait mm. for the next day, yeah, and then do it. Because your thoughts will go through it. You'll maybe calm down. It's high emotions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you, just the immediate availability of anyone's comment on anything can be toxic. It can, it can be. be very good. It can be. But it can also be very toxic. And the funniest part about it is if you try to sort of be on the other side of that argument with any of those people, that's you being like it's it all plays into the theory and to the and to the whole program that they're talking about and i'm not suggesting in any way shape or form that as humans we need to be sheep and follow along with everything that is said about everything but because there are things i've questioned over the last year and things that i don't believe in and i think that things should have been done differently and there's whatever but i certainly believe that there is a limit to what really truly is happening and what is being made up like there, what is real and what is being made up is in my mind, pretty clear, but people are just so hung up on things. I mean, like, are we still talking about chemtrails? Are we still talking about chemtrails people? Seriously? Here's something I want to, here's something I want to talk about. And I know you're going to have an opinion on this and maybe we, we, this is where we end it today, but (laughs) let's do it. Kids are getting perms. (laughs) <laughs> like that is oh like, my I goodness that as a kid i was out of that generation i think the generation before me was a perm generation that would be your generation i don't know you can maybe speak to we it. did not have we the girls might have had perms at my in my generation but not certainly not boys i know i know because I, I saw justin put a social i think yeah. it was facebook post and well, I'll let Justin explain, but he, his son wants a perm. Yeah. So and he's got already naturally curly hair. It kind of came from me as a kid. I had really curly hair too. My sister has super curly hair. Like women are jealous of my sister's hair because of how beautifully curly it is. It's quite funny. And so he's got the same kind of curly hair and very blonde hair, quite frankly, but yeah, very curly on its own. And now he's, I think because kids in the school are talking about it, people, you know, it's just peer pressure, right? It's like, so, so I, have you seen the style that, that he would want? Yeah. I, I, well, and tight. that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just hammered the mic. Uh, yeah. You cut tight on the sides and you've got yeah. like the high, almost like a mohawk thing up top. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. If you want to, if you want to know like where these kids are getting it from, just Google hype house <laughs> and it's the social, there's the social media group of like 15 influencers and they all live in one house. In is that what it Hollywood. is? And yeah, and these guys, they basically just set trends. Like they have, wow. those, they like these, these kids are just really trendy kids. And, um, some of them started like, like some of the dudes started painting their nails. And then all of a sudden you see these teenagers <sighs> painting their nails, like boys painting their nails. And it's not goth or like, you know, when I was younger, if a boy was painting its nail, it was like the heavy metal goth thing. Mm. These kids are just regular kids, but yeah, the hype house is another one uh, that Charlie D'Amelio, I think, is involved with. But yeah, it's like these, just like little, like it's like it's boy bands, but not boy bands. Like you know, Spice Girls and NSYNC and yep. how they set their trends for their eras. This is kind of the same thing, except they just make TikTok videos and dances. So I was just gonna say, so it seems like 
It seems like, you know, when it was boy bands and things, they had a skill or a thing they were doing. They were singing music. They were being, they were traveling around doing their thing. Now this, this hype house thing, this is a group of people living in a mansion that are just setting trends. Yeah. Trendsetters. So it actually goes, it actually speaks to the, what we were just talking about relating to the idea how influential social media really truly is. Mm-hmm. When you have my son coming home wanting a perm or even he asked for, I don't know if he seriously asked for it, but he was talking about earrings or like studs or he something. Was, he was seriously asking, go look at the boys in the hype house. They all have really? earrings and they're all <sighs> dangly crosses. Oh, like, we're not doing it'll that. Be down, it'll be down halfway down his neck, dangle with a cross. Yeah. And I don't want to get weird about this because this is not, I'm getting really judgy right now. But when it's I was a, a kid, yeah, having, self-expression. An, having an earring was a different thing. As a, yeah. as a boy, right? It was a different thing. And now having an earring is very regular for, for boys and girls, right? So I don't know. Like, I just don't know what the, I just don't know what the. 2021, Justin, there are no genders anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other conversation, I think. We're going to piss some people off. It's, that one's a fun one. That's a fun one. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That one makes me giggle. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess the question is, do we let the kid get the perm? Because I've also heard that perming your hair can damage your hair permanently. Okay. So I say yes. Okay. Because when he's 25, I want to be able to pull up a picture of him with a perm and be like, dude, dude, (laughs) I got pictures of myself. You had frosted tips. When we do the pond promo video for 2020, when when Ethan's 2020 or 25 years old and we've got Ethan on there and you're doing the NHL thing for Ethan, you're like, you're, 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 we're sorting in photos of Ethan as a kid with the perm. Yeah. I want, I want him to make these mistakes. Like okay, well, what was your biggest mistake as a kid? I wore a poncho. Do you remember those ponchos? I wore yeah. those, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was my, one of my Echo jeans. I had a big pair of Echo jeans, like the really point. wide baggy ones. I didn't get the baggy ones. You know, I, I like to say I, I was very conservative as a kid. I was a hockey player, so I just wore the clothes that like hockey companies made and stuff like right. that. I rarely went fashion. With my hair, I, my hair naturally just wings out like a hockey player hair would. Mm-hmm. So, like, I literally just looked like a hockey player. I'll tell you something that I did very late into my childhood, into my teenage years. I wore tube socks all the way to my knee, almost. Like, like you know, long socks, right? And did you wear and did you wear baggy shorts with it? No, you wear tight. You should see the short shorts I used to wear as a kid, dude. I'm picturing like you know, like the low riders and and S and, no. and like the Spanish guys in 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 and like the El Camino. So first of all, I was an athletic high, high tube socks and, I, and then like no. baggy shorts. No, no, I'm talking like I was an athletic kid to begin with, right? So back then, shorts were fairly short. They weren't like baggy, big, long sports shorts like you have now. Yeah, they were short back, shorts. It's come full swing. We're talking in the '80s here, my friend. So, yeah, so it's kind of like style now. Have you seen it? It's yes, style. this is my point. So now we were just talking about Mikhail's clothing line and his bathing sh- bathing suits that are tight short shorts for men and boys. And now the t- the high socks are coming back too. Nike's making and all these companies are making mm-hmm. high socks for athletics. I yeah. was like, I was a, I was doing that, and I remember when I stopped doing that because one of my buddies on my baseball team when we were in the back. This is going to tell you the sign of the times. We were in the back of a pickup truck in Burlington getting driven across town. <laughs> and he says Try to me, now. yeah, no, that wouldn't work now. So the, my buddy says to me, hey, you still wear tube socks? And I was like, again, this was part of the influence of that bad being back then. 
this was what social influence was, was a kid going, you still wear tube socks? And I was like, oh, I didn't have anything else. So then the next day I was down to wearing like, yeah, I was, I'm stopping that now. But I was like easily 11 or 12 when that happened. Yeah, but I, like you, you, when I was younger, they always said like uh, when you see a fashion trend come up, and you're like, okay, what's the next fashion trend? And then people, older people, would always say, it's going to come around. Like things are going to just come back around and just keep cycling. Literally now, if you go look on websites, it's like like neon windbreakers with the crazy like like swooshes on them. Yeah, high socks, short shorts, perms. Like we were down in Florida last year, not last year, the year before 2019 in November. And one of the big trends down in Florida are those windbreak, those neon windbreakers that we used yeah. to wear in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. They're come back full circle. Oh yeah. So anyway, but more you know, eighties you can look like is cool. Now. The kid, the kids are going to be like, Oh, that guy's on those big giant on, sunglasses on, are coming on, back. Yeah. Those yeah. big, those big visor the sunglasses, ski, the, the ski gun yes. sunglasses. Yeah. exactly it's all coming back like it's it's so good yeah but and and you know what's funny about that is what they do say that all of that is totally uh manufactured like like it's coming back because people make it come back not because someone just just decided full circle it's coming back because some companies were like we want to this looks cool yeah okay who can we pay to wear this on social media that's right oh kim kardashian okay there you go oh hype house guys here i'll wear this okay and uh, yeah, now now everyone wants it. So we'll end on this on this bombshell right here, okay? Oh boy! I just heard Kim Kardashian is now considered a billionaire. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think we need to talk much about that. But, famous uh, for being famous. <sighs> we're in the wrong business, Ryan. We're in the How wrong. How much business. is Ray J worth? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, DMX just died. Did you hear that? He did. Yeah, he's dead. Literally That's yesterday. Not gonna give it to you anymore. No. <laughs> And Prince, Prince Philip, God, God rest their souls. Prince died a couple of years ago. Prince did, but Prince Philip, who's the, who's the English queen's husband just died yeah. today or yesterday. He died. Mm-hmm. He's dead now. He was 99. He was old. That's yeah. And that's he was gonna ill. Be, that that's gonna, there's going to be a funeral for that. Oh, that'll, that'll be, be a big one. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, and then, you know, you wonder, sorry to, we're now like, going on about the queen now, but you yeah, wonder we, said we were going to stop. Yeah, whatever. But you wonder if you know how, when you get older people that have been together for years and years and years and the husband dies and not long after the wife goes or vice versa, right? Because they've mm-hmm. been together for so long. It's almost like their lives are intertwined. So when one of them goes, they kind of lose a piece of their, their soul kind of. And they're just like, yeah. they got nothing to live for. It happened to my, my wife's grandparents actually. Andrea's grandmother passed away and then it was not long after you could just see granddad was like kind of just petering off. And then one day it was just done and, and it was precipitated by something specifically, but I just don't think there was a lot of fight left after that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this is a scenario where that could happen because right. the queen mom is no, is not young either at this point. No, um, she's and um, late eighties. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder how, how we go on from here, what happens from here. Well, so. I, I, I like what you, you, you just sparked a little thing, what you just said. I, like, honestly, like you said, their lives are in, are intertwined. Mm-hmm. So when one goes like 
this is like just looking pure functional, mm. taking a pure functional approach. When one person goes, responsibilities and, and things like that around the house, out in the boat, like just habits and, and stuff that you would do together is now gone. So you have to change your own personal routine because there's a person that's not there in your life anymore mm. that was doing things with you and for you. And at that later age in life, Sometimes your body just is like, okay, well, that's the sign that things have changed now and time to go. So they were married for 70 years, 70 years. It's a long time. My grandparents had their 60th, uh, four years ago, their anniversary. Yeah. That's a long time. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying like, that's just, you know, I've got t-shirts that I've had forever and they're just comfortable. And if one went missing, I'd be devastated. I can't imagine having another human like my wife disappear. Even now my wife and I have been married for 14 years almost. That's a long time. Congrats. (laughs) So, and not in a bad way. I am no, you know, listen, Ryan, sow your wild oats and have some fun while you can. When you're ready to get married, marriage is wonderful. It has its wonderful pieces to it. And you get to come home after a weekend and or a, day trip to Collingwood or whatever and play some Uno. There you go. So, well, it's been fun and I think we'll end it here. Have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. weekend. Bye-bye. That was another episode of the underground. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also follow Justin on Facebook and see what he's up to in the real estate world at Justin Long Carrick. And check out what Ryan is doing on the ice at more.hockey.